Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Sugarcoated Murder, where we'll discuss and probably inappropriately laugh about and comment on. Yep, one of our favorite subjects murder. murder. Oh, and we love to bake. And why not combine our two favorite subjects baking and killers? Karen Devaney, welcome to my home. And Varner, I found my way up here. You couldn't fool me, you didn't move, so I found you. I didn't. Oh, the commute wasn't too bad. It was not, and I actually needed help with the commute. So oh. my husband hit a partner. Yeah, my husband. Um, actually, he's like my roadie. Oh, <laughs> he comes and brings my stuff. I noticed that we had a roadie tonight. We had a roadie tonight. Yeah, he he did, and it was good because he and Trout had a little moment. Oh, together. Trout! When he sees Mr. Michaels, he just wags that whole tail back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Loves him so much. He does. He really does. So, um, what's going on? Are you doing anything? Actually, I want to tell you something. Okay. I'm going to tell you a couple things. All right. Um, the first one is, I looked on my This Day in True Crime History calendar, Mm -hmm. and nothing really exciting was happening for today. It was like some dude was born that we don't know, but so I'm going to pretend like it's tomorrow. So happy February 25th. In 1963, Joseph Duncan III, an American serial killer and blogger, was born. Wow. And we don't know who he is. I don't know who he is. Might have to look into it. Might have to, but that is, so, okay, so that's my true crime history situation. So you jumped forward a day to talk about somebody we don't know. Yeah, but the other one was really dumb. Okay. Like, that one was really dumb. Like, a crime boss was born, and we, like, I couldn't even pronounce his name, so that's why I really skipped it. And now we have no reason. Whatever. It was dumb. It was, was, okay, okay, I couldn't pronounce his name, so I was like, oh, let's look at the next day, and that one was, like, easy. Duncan the third got that. Got it. Yeah, so... The other thing I wanted to tell you is, I've been doing face yoga. Face yoga. Yes, I have. Wow. For about two weeks now, wow. I have been doing face yoga, and I really am enjoying it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yes. Wow. I know. I know. It's supposed to help re- define my jawline, empty out my lymphatic system, help clear the dark circles under my eyes. Like, it's supposed to help with my... Number 11, like where you can, you know, plant corn in that crater between my eyebrows. And if somebody wanted to join you in face yoga, what, how, where would they go? How would we find this? Uh, you could probably look it up. You could Google. But um, who do face you use? I have Who's a couple different to? people on the TikTok oh, that yeah, I it's use. It's a TikTok situation. It's a TikTok thing. So there is a, an anesthetician that I use. Her name is Amy, I think. And then there's another... Um, there's a lady, oh, she's really cute, too. She's the one that taught me how to use my beauty stone. I have a beauty stone, and there's a name for it that I can't pronounce, so I'm just going to say beauty stone. Okay. But I bought a beauty stone, and I also use that. And so I do I do some of Amy's 
exercises some of this other lady's exercises, and I don't remember her name. And then there's a young girl who talks about some face yoga. And then there's this really cute oriental lady who has the most perfect skin I've ever seen. And she talks about like some problem areas and things that you can do, but she does a lot of acupressure on your face. Okay. Yeah. And it's about releasing the muscles, you know, because we get wrinkles because yeah. the muscles get tense. So we'll work on getting the people's actual names. Yeah. So people can follow them on. Features about them. Yeah. And then we'll let our followers know in case they want to do. Yeah. Well, if our followers get on TikTok and follow me, they can actually, then I will send them. I'll be able to actually send them the links on the TikTok links. Okay. Well, just in case they yeah, don't yeah. want to follow us on TikTok, we'll get, I get the info it. for you. Yes. So I'm loving my, my face yoga. Yeah. I'm getting so much information out of the TikTok. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it's it? Amazing. It's opened up a whole new world a for me. A whole new whole world. world. Like, my big thing today was a <laughs> stain remover. I've been working on these stains on my son's sweatshirt, which God only knows where they came from. Oh, God. It looks like maybe a... A wing sauce or a <laughs> hot sauce. It could have been anything. Not just one spot. It's oh, everywhere. Yeah. Like we painted the whole shirt, the whole with, shirt. with a wing. Right. <laughs> and I worked and worked and worked. I've been working on it and nothing seemed to work. And then I found this, this hack on TikTok where they tell you to use one cup of hydrogen peroxide and half a cup of Blue Dawn liquid dish soap. Yeah. You mix those together in a spray bottle. You spray it on your stain. I let mine sit for 30 minutes to an hour just because I had other things to do. I don't, she didn't tell me. I, I mean, to be honest, I don't 100% know how to use TikTok. The videos seem very short. I feel like I'm missing There's information. There's a part one or a part two. There's probably a part two and a part probably, three. But whatever, it worked. It That's worked. awesome. The stains faded significantly. That's wonderful. This, yeah. So yeah. So I so I love the life hacks, the laundry hacks, the cleaning hacks, oh yeah. and the life hacks. Let me hacks. finish this real quick. So for your when you're making your concoction, just to make it a little bit easier, when you've got your empty spray bottle, measure out water. Do first a cup, and then draw on with a marker on the side of the bottle, and then go. And pour a half a cup of water more and then mark there. So a half cup more. So right. Okay. So you'll do your peroxide to the first line and then your dawn to the second line. That way you don't have to try. Oh, that's you a lot of dawn. Mix, yeah. You don't want to measure out dawn because it's all gonna stick in your it's wasteful. So it is wasteful and it's just it's a lot. Yeah. So I found that to be really, really helpful. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. There's laundry hacks. There's a guy that I follow that talks about different um, car hacks, mm -hmm. like for cleaning your car or getting the scratches out of your car. I mean, he does a lot of stuff, really cool stuff. So uh, there's just, I mean, TikTok has opened up a and whole new world. you told me yesterday about um, a hack that you had seen where to freshen up your bathroom, you put essential oils inside the toilet paper Yes. Bowl. Well, I don't have any essential oils. Oh. But I do... Um, have Scentsy oh. um, products, and uh, the Scentsy room spray, spray has essential oils in it. Okay. So I just sprayed that on the inside of my toilet oh, paper roll. Working out great. Isn't it wonderful? It is you, you You get that toilet paper, you just get this waft of just, little, just a breath of 
aromatherapy exactly. while you're on the john. Exactly. It's just wonderful. Right. Guys, guys I, I mean, I know it. that you think this is probably all we have to talk about with this podcast because there's so much information. Oh, yeah. But we actually have other things to talk about. Oh, you're cooking. It's your turn to cook. I did it the, is. the squash, spaghetti squash. Yes. Oh, last God, time. that was so, so yummy. So tonight, um, I'm making a key lime pie. Nice. And um, it's because we're going to see my high school friends, Greg and Sandra. You right. and me are going to go tomorrow yeah. to see them and his favorite everything, favorite pie, favorite cake, favorite. I mean, I think if he could get key lime wheels for his car, he'd get them. Oh, my. So he loves key lime. So we're taking him a key lime pie. Okay. So um, I've used mama's recipe. I've used kind of. My own recipe for the graham cracker crust, um, something that I do that not a lot of people do, but when I make a graham cracker crust homemade, um, I use about 10 rectangles or 20 squares of graham crackers. You get what I'm saying? I do. Okay. And then I actually, I buy these, um, they're little snack cups that you get for kids mm-hmm. of little miniature Nilla wafers. Mm-hmm. And I buy that and I put one, uh, a snack cup of that in there and I crush the Nilla wafers oh, up. that's nice. A nice combination. Yeah. So, and when it bakes, yeah, I mean, yes. my husband thought I was baking a cake because yeah. he was like, oh my God, that's And you add so butter good. with that? Yeah. So you add, um, so it calls for like a typical... Graham cracker crust would call for the graham crackers, which right. would be the eight to ten yeah. um, rectangles, and a quarter cup of butter. Right. But because I add this in there, I do a quarter cup plus two tablespoons of butter. Oh, right. And I knew, I've seen recipes too that call for sugar. Don't add sugar to your graham no, cracker crust. That's you not, don't need it. You, you don't, don't need it. it. These Nilla wafers give it a little boost, mm-hmm. which is good. And then um, I'll just tell you real quick about the key lime pie. It's so easy. So, um, you take four egg yolks, you separate your eggs, you get your yolks, mm-hmm. you put them in a bowl and with a mixer, you mix them on as high as you can um, until they get fluffy and they turn a lemon yellow. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, it takes a little while to get there, but sure. you just keep going. Don't give up. Right. And then once they're the right color and consistency, you stop that mixer and then you add in a 14 ounce can of um Sweetened Sweetened condensed milk. Sorry, I almost said evaporated milk, and that was wrong. No. Sweetened condensed milk. So you add that in. You turn your blender on on low. Mix that till it's just mixed. You turn your blender off. Not your blender. It's a mixer. (laughs) I'm having a hard time with my words today. So, and then you add. So it takes a third of a cup of um, key lime juice. Yeah. We use the Nellie and Joe's because it's not summer, and key limes are not in season right right. right now. Um, If they were, we would be squeezing them by hand. But we use the Nellie and Joe's, and so it, it calls for a third of a cup of that. And so you, when you stop your mixer, you put in half of that third of a cup. And then you turn your mixer on, you blend it again, you turn it off, and then you put in a half a teaspoon of cream of tartar and the rest of your lime juice, and you turn that um, your beaters on and mix it till it's just blended again. And then you pour that into your already prepared pie crust that has been baked so when you do your pie crust you bake it at 350 for about eight minutes right and then um, it needs to cool completely right so i cooled it and then i stuck it in the fridge a little bit i did it doesn't have to be like stone cold but it i wanted it to be cool right because you don't want to pour your eggs on top of that hot graham cracker crust because they could scramble correct so then you put it in there 
You pop it in the oven at 350 degrees for about 15 minutes. That's where we are right now. I went ahead and did that because the beaters were a little bit noisy. So <laughs> we just said, let's just get the pie in the oven. And so when that comes out, so you're looking for it to be dry and firm in the middle. Okay. So that's what we're looking for. All right. And then um, I... And this, by the way, is not a recipe you can find online. Mom spent many, many a moon getting this recipe just right. Yes. And she does and a meringue she, on hers, which we adore. We yes. love meringues. But Mr. Greg, he's a little finicky and does not like meringue. So I am going to take it and do a homemade whipped cream. Perfect. Which is so easy. That's, That's just like heavy whipping cream. I'm so glad that I'm on this trip and I get to taste <laughs> All of these things. Yeah. So anyway. Um, My question, though, is did you happen to make a tasting pie? Yes, I did. Oh, good job. I made a little ramekin with a little, just a little bit. Perfect. So that we could taste it. Yeah, because we don't want to serve bad pie. I would never. Oh, my gosh. I would never. Yeah. So anyway, hopefully Mr. Vic's pie is going to come out primo. And um, he hopefully Mr. and Mrs. Vic are going to enjoy the pie together. Yeah. It's not her favorite pie, but she does enjoy it. And they did just recently get back from Key West. Oh, wow. Well, so you that, they're, he's kind of on a key lime high right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very so, good. Very yes. Good. So anyway, there you go. And you're welcome, um, Greg and Sandra, for allowing us to <laughs> share your, your personal information yeah, on, on, sorry. on our podcast. I didn't say where we were going. Exactly. So um, the timer's going off, but you go ahead and start because I have a feeling you have things to say. I do. I've got... I am a murderer, and I'm going to tell you, this case is the scariest story that I've ever oh. read in my life. Don't freak me out. Ever yeah. read in my life. Don't freak so, me out. hold on to your horses. There's a lot of information. There are a lot of twists and turns, but you're you're just going to be scared as I am about this case. Okay. Well, All right. I just took the pie out, and i got to tell you, it's gorgeous. Oh, nice. It smells delightful. Okay, David Cam. David Cam was a former Indiana State Trooper. He had spent over 10 years on the force, and he was ready for a change. So he left the force and started working for his uncle, who had a company that did, that does, he still exists, foundation <laughs> repair. Okay. And uh, they also go in and seal basements for people that need basements sealed. David was married to Kim. They got married in 1989. Four years later, they had a little boy named Brad. Aww. Two years after that, they had a little girl named Jill. Brad and Jill. The Cams lived in Georgetown, Indiana. A little right. small town. Yeah. Family lived across the street. Just everybody knows everybody. Small town. September the 28th, 2000. Mm-hmm. David goes off to play in a weekly basketball game with his friends at around 7 o'clock. Mm -hmm. When David returned home at around 9.30, I think it was like 9.34, the game ends at 9.30, he's about four miles away. He pulls up in the driveway and he notices what looks like blood on the floor of his garage Ooh. and what looks like a body. On the floor. So he hops out of his truck. He runs into the garage, falls to his knees, and sees that the body and blood belong to his wife, Kim. Get out of here. He checks for a pulse. Nothing. She had been shot in the head, and mm. her pants had been pulled down. That's naughty. He looks over at the family vehicle, which was a Ford Bronco, 
which was parked in the garage, and he can see his daughter, Jill, who was five, slumped over. No. He runs to her. Jill is oh. also dead. Oh, my God. She has been shot in the head. Oh, my God. Then he sees his son, Brad, who's seven. Brad's body is draped over the back seat like he's, it looks like he's trying to get away from somebody or get into the back oh. of the car. Oh, my gosh. David touches Brad, and he's still warm. Oh. So he pulls Brad out of the vehicle, and he starts CPR. But CPR is not working. Oh, my Just God. Just not working. How horrible Brad to have to do CPR on your own kid. Brad had been through the torso, and the bullet had actually severed his spinal cord. Oh, no. So CPR isn't going to work no matter how hard he no. tries. David runs into the house, and he calls 911. Ugh. He tells the operator that somebody has killed his wife and kids. He then hangs up and calls the state trooper's office. And tells the dispatcher at the state trooper's office, send everybody you have over here. Everybody. Somebody has killed my wife. And oh, kids. my god! Send gosh. everybody. And they do. They all come. And as a How does he fact, know that number? I don't have that number. He's a former Indiana state oh, trooper. Oh, I missed that part. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah. He had recently retired like four months prior. Okay. He'd I was focused on the, on the basement ceiling business. Uh, <laughs> he had been that. on the Indiana... State trooper, okay. of course, uh, for a decade, and then he felt like he needed gotcha. to change careers, and All right. he went to work for his uncle. So they knew, everybody knew him. Yeah. So um, they, the police get to the scene, and they find David in hysterics. Now, because of his connection, as a courtesy to him, somebody actually called his uncle, who lived across the street. Oh, wow. And the uncle comes over to see what's going on. My. Police start to look at the scene. They see Brad on the garage floor. He's laying on top of a sweatshirt. They see Kim half naked on the garage floor. They see Jill in the vehicle. Oh they see Kim's shoes neatly sitting on top of the vehicle. They notice that Kim's feet are all beat up, Ew. which leads them to believe that perhaps Kim had been sexually assaulted. Police secure the crime scene and collect some evidence. They call in a crime scene expert from Oregon, but it's going to take that person two days to get in. So they work on sealing, sealing the scene and release David. A bloodstain expert um, comes to the scene. From Kim's gunshot wound, there is a pool of blood that has formed on the garage floor. Now, obviously, the garage wasn't completely level, no. so it traveled. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the trail of blood, which there was a lot, it becomes almost clear like, like watered-down blood. Oh. Ew. So the blood stain expert determines that somebody must have been trying to clean up the scene probably with bleach and mm -hmm. that's what he's seeing okay the crime scene reveals no attempt to get into the house everything appears to have happened in the garage there wasn't a burglary there wasn't so anything odd. missing right 
There's no murder weapon. At the crime scene, the police take into evidence, and I know I'm moving kind of slow, but this information is extremely important to the rest of this case. Okay. Extremely we important. are here Police took into evidence the sweatshirt that had been under Brad, the shirt that David had been wearing, and they gather um, fingerprints, handprints, blood, and DNA. Um, an autopsy on Kim found no evidence of a sexual assault, thank God. Okay. They did swabs all over her body. They took blood, and um, there goes Trout. He's finished his lick bowl. It was really he quick. He goes so fast on that thing, he I does. can't get over it. He really does. It's a speed demon. So the, blush, the sweatshirt that Brad's body had been laying on turns out to be prison-issued, a prison-issued sweatshirt. That's weird. Yeah. DNA from two unknown people was found on the sweatshirt. David's t-shirt has blood spatter on it. Mm -hmm. This blood stain spatter expert looks at the blood spatter and he says, by the way, there are eight drops of blood on the shirt. Eight drops of blood. He says that the spatter is the result of high velocity impact spatter that would come from shooting someone. No way. Not eight drops of blood. Come on. I don't believe that. <laughs> there has to be more blood somewhere. Hang on. I gotta get this dog. <laughs> oh, trout. Yeah. One day I'm gonna get a carrier and just put it in. I'm telling you, it needs a baby bjorn or yeah. whatever those things are. Alright, so the police pull phone records, and according to those records, David used his cell phone from inside the house at 719. He told police that he was playing basketball from 7 to 9.30. Wait, what time did he call them? 7.19. Three days after the Wait, murder. Wait, I'm, I'm confused. No, I'm not. Keep going. I got it. Okay. 7.19 is when they say the phone call was made from inside the house from David's cell phone. From David's cell phone to where? I don't know who it didn't tell me. Who okay, he so he, he was there call. at seven nineteen, and pinged. it was he was at home at seven nineteen. Okay, and he told them he was playing basketball at seven. Oh dear! Right, Rut row, David. Right. So, um, three days after the murder of David's family, they call David down to the police station. They tell him about the blood spatter analysis. He is adamant. Adamant. I mean, he is. Telling them, you are wrong. I know, sugar, but one thing I've learned doing this podcast is murderers, they tend to lie. Right. And they lie to the point that you believe them and they believe themselves. Yeah. Police at this point believe that David left the basketball game, went home four miles away, murdered his family, his wife and his two young children, (laughs) went back to the basketball game and finished the game. Well, I mean, you got to finish a game. And then return home. just leave that. And police believe, because he was on the force, rumors had spread. There was some information out there. They believe his motive for killing his family is because he had been having affairs, and he wanted to be free from his family commitments. Well, we've seen that before. So they arrest him and charge him with murder. Wow. Lock him up. In the spring of 2002... The case goes to trial. This blood spatter 
is the main piece of forensic the evidence. Blood spatter on, on his the shirt. shirt. Yes. The eight droplets the of eight blood. Drops. Yes. <laughs> the eight drops from killing, shooting three people. Exactly. Are you scared yet? That's really I'll crazy. Keep going. The defense experts called say that the blood on David's shirt was caused by transfer. The expert on the defense side goes on to state that if the blood spatter was from a gunshot, there would have been hundreds of droplets of I, blood. I agree with that guy. Not just eight. All 11 of the men who played basketball with David the night of the murder testified that David was with them from 7 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. and that he never left the game. What the hell was that 719 phone call then? Maybe he left a cell phone behind. Around 12 women are brought in by the prosecutor to testify that they either had an affair with David or propositioned by David. And proposition means he flirted with them. Okay. And um, basically they come in and just rip his character apart. Now, so there's two parts of me going on right now that are fighting in my brain. Okay. Because one of me says, just because you are a person who has a, steps outside of your marriage does not make you a murderer. Right. But there's the other part of me that knows about Chris Watts, the asshole in Colorado that killed his wife and two daughters because he was having an affair and wanted a new life with and didn't want to get a divorce. Right. And so there's now, like there's two sides of my brain that are arguing. claims to be currently having an affair. That's fine. Okay. I will say that. There's was, no... A current affair. There doesn't seem to be a current <laughs> affair. <laughs> I used to love that show. Prosecutors say that the DNA evidence on the sweatshirt had been put through the, the CODIS system. Okay. But returned no hits. The case goes to the jury. Where the hell did that sweatshirt come from? And they find David guilty of murdering his family. Okay. He is sentenced to 195 oh years God. in prison. In August of 2004, the Indiana Court of Appeals overturns <gasps> the conviction. Uh-uh. The court felt it was unfair of the judge in the first trial to allow 12 women it is to essentially assassinate David's character. I agree it's excessive. And they heard and especially, that first before they were presented with any other forensic well, that's, evidence. Right. So, right. So, but, yeah, that's excessive. And if they don't, if they don't have somebody that's got a recent affair going, right. so there was then no I'm just like... to tie into the murder yeah. there wasn't anything recent. So, and that was in August of 2008. Four, it gets overturned. The paperwork has to be processed. You know, you you get overturned, and then they say, "Okay, you're gonna do it. We're gonna do a new trial." They have to set the new trial, right. and then the judge has the he can. There's a judge that determines if if he will set bail, right, or if he will deny bail. David doesn't get out of jail. In November of 2004, the prosecutor refiles the charges against David. Wow. This time his defense team gets to work and they really, really, really want to know about that unknown DNA from the sweatshirt. 
Um, yeah, like where that this prison issue sweatshirt. I, I, it's not like you can just pick that up anywhere. Right, right. And you know, it had been a couple of years, so they said, "Hey, can you run it through?" Oh, that's again? true. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and let's see if somebody, if there's a if there's a hit, maybe yeah. somebody since then. And um, the prosecutor said no. No, he we're said not, no. We're not going to rerun it. How come he gets to make that decision? So they get a court order, and. The court order forces them to rerun that DNA profile through nice. CODIS. Well, guess what? There's a hit. Please say there's a hit. They get a damn match. Son of a... Not only do they get it. a match, but they discover that the DNA had never been run through the system before. Well, that whole entire prosecutor team should be fired, right. disbarred, and sued. You would think. That's not but okay. Is That's a man's life in the balance. Oh my God! His family. Oh my God! Based on and they never ran the DNA through CODIS when they said they did. Correct. That's that's bullshit. Right. Oh my. Are oh you my scared, God. That is that is so scary, and I am shame on that prosecutor. Shame on all of them. How corrupt. So the DNA belongs to convicted felon Charles Bonet. Charles had been out on parole at the time of the murder. He had been convicted of armed attacks on women. Most of the attacks involved him taking the women's shoes. Oh, oh, he had a the shoes on top shoes. of the car. And he had a foot fetish. Oh, God. Remember, Kim's shoes were found on top of the yeah, car, but didn't you say and her feet were all beaten. They bring in the defense brings in um, no, 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 not the defense. The police bring Charles in for questioning. He says, "Hey, I I know that's my sweatshirt because it's got my nickname <gasps> Backbone written in it, but I donated that to the Goodwill. That's I donated it, so I don't know. I mean, who had it to go do this?" Um, he really? also said that he didn't know the Cam family, and he said, I didn't kill him. It wasn't me. He takes a polygraph, and he fails it, Oh! but they release him anyway. Two weeks later, two weeks later, the defense discovers that there was a palm print on Kim's vehicle that was never tested. What is wrong with people? This is not okay. I have such a problem with this. They test the print and it belonged to Charles. Charles Bonet. Charles Bonet. March 4th of 2005. Charles is arrested. Now remember, David's still in jail. He's still there. He's still in jail because we're still going to trial. Right? Oh my God. March 2005. Charles is arrested for the murders. The charges against David are dropped, but within the hour, new charges for murder and conspiracy are filed against him, what? and David is rearrested. What the hell is happening? Yes. Prosecutors now say that David and Charles had been working together to murder David's family. Are you kidding me? When Charles gets wind of this, he goes back to the police and he says... Hey, listen, I met David at a basketball game. Now, 
This whole trial has been made public. All of course. Everything, it's been in the yes. news, it's been in the media. Yes. So Charles knows. He knows what's, what's up. There. He says, I met David at a basketball game, and he asked if I could help him get a gun. Uh -uh. And I said, yeah, I can help you do that. So he said, I went and met him at the Cam house, and I handed him that gun in that sweatshirt of mine. That old sweatshirt. He originally said that he didn't know that family at all. Mm -hmm. He said he stayed outside while David went into the garage. He said he heard three gunshots, and he also went as far to tell them he heard the little girl Jill yell, Daddy. He said he went into the garage and looked in the car, and that's where he put his palm print. His palm print. He said he left the sweatshirt, got in his car, and left, saying that David was had turned the gun on him. He's explaining away his connection to the crime scene. Oh, my God. January 17th, 2006, they go to trial again. Mm. David's defense team fights like hell. Of course. To have his trial moved 100 miles away okay. to Lebanon, Indiana, mm -hmm. because there's been so too, much media attention. You can't pull around. a fair jury. Exactly. And he, they had to fight like hell because the prosecutor wanted to try Charles and David together. Oh, my God. And his defense team said, no way. No way. Wow. And they won. They actually <gasps> oh, wow. won for him. to get moved and not tried together. Mm-hmm. There was no phone call, no witnesses, nothing that linked Charles and David together. Yeah, nothing. just Nobody. just the word of a convicted felon right. who has a foot fetish and has has beaten up women before, <laughs> exactly, and taken their shoes. And it's be because of this, there's no connection. David is acquitted of the conspiracy charge. Okay. At the same time he's acquitted of that charge, Charles is convicted of the murders, and he is sentenced to 225 years behind bars. Oh, I like that sentence. That's great news, right? I don't it's know. really good Something news. Something tells me there's like a big ass bomb about to drop on my head. Yeah, so now we got to do the murder trial for David. Yeah. His defense team, they talk about the blood spatter on his shirt. The eight drops. Right. They point out that there was blood spatter. There was no blood spatter on his shorts. So what's up with that? They have an expert well, testify. On his shoes. Like, that would be all over exactly. you. They have an expert that testifies that blood transfer, there was a blood transfer on the shirt and not velocity blood. The expert says there was no bleach used to try and clean up the crime scene. But what had happened is when the blood is exposed to air and sits for a long time, it separates, and a different liquid comes out. Yeah. So it was separated blood oh, that wow. was breaking down, which oh. is a normal process for blood. Not bleach. It was well, not and they bleach. didn't smell bleach. No. You would have smelled it. No. No, no, no. The <sighs> expert said that the separated blood is actually evidence that the murder occurred later than what was reported. The 11 friends of David's come back and testify again that David had been with them the entire time. The phone records that originally showed that David had made the phone call at 719 
the company came back and said, we made a mistake. Uh-huh. We didn't take into account the time zone. Oh. That call was really made at 619. Holy crap, look at all these errors that almost cost this man his entire life. They talk about Charles and his DNA. They ripped the prosecutor's case apart. Good. Well, that's the dream team right there, whoever So the affair testimony could was inadmissible because it had been thrown out with the other one. But this time the prosecutor says the reason David killed his family was because... Um, he was molesting Jill, the little girl. That's oh what they God, said. That's horrible to just throw that out that's there. That's what they said. Yeah. Evidently, they say that there was blunt force trauma on her genitals. What? Yeah. But that they're saying that now, but it wasn't in the first trial? Right. These are horrible people. These are horrible people. Right. So the prosecutor medical examiner, I mean, the defense medical examiner says her hymen was intact. She had not been molested. There, There's no, no evidence whatsoever. Right, that from the way that her body, she could have been hit very hard, or it could just be from close range gunshot that jolted her body could have caused any kind of injury to her whole entire body yeah okay so case goes to the jury four days with the jury oh my god david is once again found guilty oh my god oh my god i don't think he did it now he is sentenced to life without parole are you scared this is, I mean, I, I, whoever lives in Indiana, God bless you all, and I love you, but I will not be moving to your state. I don't think that I will visit, because that is That's the scariest. That's why this is the scariest thing. This is a man who came home from a basketball game at his church. And his, his whole family, family is killed. And his family is murdered. Yeah, and he then goes to jail not once, but twice. And every time they convict him, it's more time. I just don't. And they've, they have just assassinated this man's character. So many things. It gets worse. And they and they're, it's not fair for the prosecution to lie. Like when you're in a court, right. you can't lie. No. I just think it should be against the law to I lie don't. in court. It's against the law for us to lie. Exactly. Why is it okay for the prosecution or even the defense to lie? Right. Don't lie. Yeah. It shouldn't be a lying thing. Yeah. That should be against the law. I know. So... In 2009, the Indiana Supreme Court now gets involved, and they overturn David's conviction. God love this man. They state that there was no evidence of molestation, and they read the medical examiner's testimony saying that Jill's hymen was intact. Therefore, mm-hmm. she had not been molested. But just like before, David has to go back to trial. Oh, my God. This and this poor is man. it. Once you hit the Supreme yeah, Court, it's over. this is it. It's over. You've got to win this or you're done. Yeah. I don't know how David's feeling at this point. It's 2009. I don't know how he has not hung himself in a, I, I, his I don't cell. Either. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. This poor man hasn't even been able to grieve his family properly. Yeah. So this time the prosecutor says, okay. The reason he did it... Oh, my God. ...is because... <laughs> you can't keep guessing. ...because Kim had, had life insurance. He was after life insurance money. 
It's not fair to keep guessing at why he did things. That's what I'm saying. Like, you can't just guess. I think the same thing. I think the prosecution it, has to stick time, to the motive, murder weapon, the, the how, why, and when. Every, it shouldn't change. No, but every time your conviction is overturned and you get a new trial, it's clean the slate and start so over. So is it a new prosecution team every time, or is it the same team? I don't know. I I don't. I really don't know. I know it was the same defense team all the way through. Okay. Um, I'm not exactly certain. I don't know. I have no clue. If we have any kind of an attorney out there that knows these things, could you email us, please, and right. let us know when these things go to a different court? Is it the same prosecution? I think it was the same prosecutor. I, I don't believe it. I just it would like to teams, know. But it, it's going to get really interesting here in a minute. It's been interesting. So this time, Charles testifies against David. Wait, what? They bring in a felon? They bring in the felon, yeah, convicted of the murder. Yeah. Right? Not conspiracy. Nobody's no. Nobody's been convicted of consp- just the murder. He's been convicted of the murder. How was he even allowed to testify? It, the prosecution brings him. He testifies. He failed a polygraph. He lies. It's 2009 now. So... We now have what's called touch DNA. Oh, yeah. So, the defense team says, I want you to swab her body. This poor woman is is probably not in the ground yet. But she has to be. She doesn't have to be. If the medical examiner doesn't release the body, well, she may have. They have swabs from Kim's I remember body. you said that they swabbed her whole body when, right. when they were looking for evidence just, of right. sexual assault. Right, but now assault. that we've got this touch DNA, we can run it We can again. run that again. Okay, there was touch DNA belonging to Charles on Kim's arms, on her underwear, and on the stomach of the shirt that she was wearing when she was murdered. They found Charles's DNA under Kim's fingernails. Oh, my. Wait. They never checked that before? Evidently, that's part of the touch DNA system. I don't know. But, yeah, no, it wasn't in any of the other trials. They have now found that there was Charles' DNA under Kim's fingernails. It's almost like the prosecutor, when they processed the crime scene, never sent anything off. It feels like they said, we've got our man. We don't want to know any more information. Because why wouldn't you process that to see if it's his DNA under her fingernails? Defense experts determined that when David reached into the vehicle to touch Brad, that his shirt came into contact with Jill's hair. Of course. And that hair is what left the bloodstain on his shirt. Yeah. The 11 basketball players come back to testify. God bless every one of them. Well, they're probably subpoenaed so they don't have a choice. David never left the game. It turns out that Charles lived only two blocks from the Cam's house. So it does make sense that he could have been in the area. It's not like he lived on the other side yeah. of town. It's, he lived in just a couple of blocks he away. He could have just so, been walking by and saw her putting her kids in. Right. And saw her feet. So, August 2013, the third trial starts. The defense presents all of that evidence I just told you about. Charles' story is clearly a lie. The defense team proves it. 
The defense calls their first blood spatter expert that the prosecutor used in the first trial to the stand. This is the guy that started the whole Oh, yeah, process. he sure did. His last name was Strike. Well, Strike Out. He gets up on that stand and confesses that he lied. What? He's not an expert. What? Never had any training in blood Where did the prosecution analysis. find him? He's, was it just some Joe Schmo? Credentials. He just said, yeah, I'm an expert. No, he said, yeah, I'll, t I'll say what you want me to say on the he stand. He lied to help the prosecutor. He needs to go to freaking prison for all the years that David was in prison. He needs to be in prison. It's been 13 years. He needs to be in prison. There's a there's a lawsuit against him and the prosecutor and some other people that lied. 13 years. This man lied and knew for 13 years that he lied. I don't. I, I can't take Never this. corrected This is his the most horrible wrong. thing. This is the most horrible thing. And it just makes you wonder. How many other thirteen people years, are sitting 13 in jail? Years, he spent thirteen years in prison for murdering his five-year-old daughter. And they said he, he molested her too. And his wife. Oh my God! Thirteen years. There is not enough money to We're, make this right. We are still at trial. The the jury and the judge in this trial says. You can use whatever testimony you need to use. He basically said, even if the guy was lying from anywhere, even if it, it's said to be a lie, you don't think it's a lie. You go with your gut. Who the, the frick said. is this judge at the Supreme Court in the state of Indiana? I know, I know, but the but the jury follows the law of what the jury is supposed to do and ignores what. The judge tells them to do, and after an hour and a half, they come back not fucking guilty. Holy after thirteen years, thirteen years. This poor man, not guilty. This poor man. I'm telling you, there is not enough money. Frightening. Not enough money to make this okay. No. There's nothing that they can do to make this okay. No. Never, never, ever, ever will he ever, ever, ever be able to get over this. David has filed a $30 million lawsuit against the state of Indiana. I think criminal charges should be, that guy perjured himself oh, yeah, for his credentials. Yeah. And the prosecution should be held liable for this bullshit that they're putting out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And $30 yeah. that's not enough, David. No. Not enough. It's not enough. It should be $90 million. It should be $130 million. $13 billion. How's that? Well, he's won four hundred fifty thousand so far. Well, it's not enough for him to move out of county. this godforsaken country and get that because this. I mean, America was not good to him. No, it wasn't. I hope it that he's just, just going to live and live, leave so and live in Ireland or somewhere. I don't even know where. In two thousand fourteen, David was hired as a case coordinator for a nonprofit called Investigating Innocence. Investigating Innocence provides criminal defense investigations for inmates in the United States. Thank God, because I just cannot, I cannot, so here's my thing. I think that it behooves the state of Indiana to now go and look at every single case oh. where that prosecution used that asshole as an expert 
and any of his cases where there was a conviction, they need to go back and start looking at it. I, I would be pinpointing everything he ever did. Motherfucker. <laughs> I swear to God, I am, when I say my prayers tonight, I'm going to ask God to smite him. <laughs> I'm going to say, God, please smite that horrible prosecutor. Smite. I, I will be really honest with you. I did not do any investigation into what the status of that prosecutor or anybody on that team that fake blood spatter guy, I didn't look into any of that. No, because I don't want because to know I if, don't want if they're give just them sitting around fat, dumb, and happy and eating a steak every night for their fucking dinner. I don't want dinner. to give them the airtime. I don't want to give it. No. God, sake, what was that prosecutor's on. name? <laughs> I'll tell you after the show. Oh, my God. I'm, I need, Well, yeah, you need to let me know so I can specifically say his name when I ask for the smiting. Yes, I'll yeah. tell you for sure. Okay. And... um. David has remarried. Bless his little he's heart. He's remarried. He's trying to get on with his life. He still works for his uncle. But this case is truly the scariest case I've ever heard about That's in my life. horrific. He just came home and found his family murdered and spent 13 years behind bars, wrongfully convicted of their murder because one asshole decided to lie about Blood I know, but also the prosecution lied about a whole lot of shit. Oh, they sure. lied about sending the evidence off. They didn't send anything off. They didn't send anything off. Nope. Like, that's not, that's just such bullshit. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's terrible. Oh, my God. I'm so I'm mad. You, I know. I'm so You're mad right now. Up. I am so upset. Maybe we should be drinking. Oh, no. I don't think we should drink. But <laughs> I definitely think we should pause and let me just take a moment. All right. We're going to pause, let her calm down. Because, guys, this is, I'm so upset. Somebody from Indiana needs to get in touch with me. I don't even, no, don't. Yeah, I need, I, somebody just do something. Somebody do something. God has to smite him. Okay, hold on. All right, guys, we're back. We're back. I got some water. My blood pressure, I think, is through <laughs> the roof right now. I can't get over this. I'm ta taking some deep woosah breaths, but I don't know if it's working. So, so you, if you want to learn information about that murder debacle on oxygen there's a new series called um framed by the killer yeah. so that's where i got that story a lot of the information though came off different websites um okay news like yeah. local indiana newspaper articles and stuff like that so you want more information Google David Cam oh, on the information you need, including the prosecutor's name, the blood spatter dude's name. And then when you say your prayers, you can ask by name for God to smite him. Exactly. All right, so we decided since the pie is out of the oven that we would go ahead and taste. I made a little taste pie, so we'll go ahead and taste that so that maybe some sugar will calm my ass down. <laughs> Because I'm so upset about this story, I don't know what to do. No, it's scary. Yeah, completely scary. scary. All right, here we go. All right. Mmm. 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 Of mm. warm. Mmm. Mmm. Wow, that is delish. Damn, girl. I mean, damn me. Nicely done. Thank you, so much. I believe that Mr. and Mr. Mrs. Bragg will be uh -huh. happy. Mm-hmm. All right, so. I can't really call him Mr. Greg because that makes him sound a lot older than me, and y'all are not that much older than me. Mm -mm. We'll see. I don't call him Mr. Greg to his face. Right, right. Like, that's dumb. Right. 
Mm -mm. All right. Do you have a murder? I do you do. want to talk about something? I want to talk about. Discuss. Would you like to discuss I some am. prom? Mm -hmm. Murder <laughs> me up, girl. Murder <laughs> me up. Here is the crazy thing. So mm -hmm. you and I never talk about the murders. Mm -hmm. we, all, we just say this is the state. I'm yeah. going to stay out of this state. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you about a girl named Kim. Okay. What was your lady's name? Kim. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That is insane. So I'm going to talk about Kimberly Jo Medlin. And she was from Monroe, North Carolina, which is about 30, 35 miles southeast of Charlotte, North Carolina. It's in Union County. Okay. Um, Kim was a young married woman in her late 20s. And she worked as a waitress in Charlotte um, at a bar. And when she she had moved to Charlotte, she was working at a bar, and she met a, a guy, and they fell in love. Aww. They got married, and they moved to Monroe. Okay. So um, Monroe is about 35 minutes from Charlotte. Okay. Um, I've never been to Charlotte. Have you been? Oh, like when I was in college. Okay. So I went to uh, I went home with the girl that I was in school with for her debutante, one of her debutante balls. Oh, gotcha. So she um she was a wait. So she she kept waitressing even though they were in Monroe. So Monroe was a pretty small town back in the nineties. Kim was working hard to save up money to pursue her dream of buying a horse farm. Oh. Her husband, Bridger, which I think Bridger. is a cool name, he believed in her dreams and fully supported her. They talked a lot about the farm that they would share one day. So eventually, they purchased a small farm, and they added three horses and a goat named Oscar. <laughs> Both were very busy working to make ends meet. Kim started working for the livestock circuit and she also got a new waitressing job at a men's club in Charlotte, North Carolina. She was a cocktail waitress because she could make more money. She was a cocktail waitress? Yes, a cocktail waitress at a men's club. At a hotel bar? That much is true? Come on, you remember that song. Yes! Uh-huh. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Don't, don't you want me. <laughs> right? Yes, that is very true. Right. I mean, it's true. Yes. At a cocktail, cocktail bar. bar. Yeah. That much is true. Yeah. Woo, look at us. Okay, so yeah, that's Kim. That, that song must have been about her. I think it was. Okay, so like I said, she's working as a cocktail waitress at a men's club, not at a hotel bar. Oh. But originally it was at a hotel bar before cocktail she met. Cocktail bar. We said so hotel, but it was, it was a men's club. Okay, cocktail bar, right. whatever. So, also, Bridger works a lot. Um, he works a lot of late night gigs as a DJ. So, he's trying wiki, to. Wiki, wiki, wiki. Yeah, he is. He's a wiki, wiki. Okay, so on March 28th, Bridger was working a prom in South Carolina. Kim was working late that night at, a men's, at the men's club in Charlotte. She had a very long and late night. They both did, so they agreed to keep in touch throughout the evening. So as Kim left work around 2.30-ish in the morning, she called Bridger to say that she was leaving, 
and he told her he was almost home and would call him when he got when he got home. And so at about 2.45, Bridger calls Kim to say, hey, I'm home. And she said, hey, will you check on one of the horses had been sick? And she said, will you go check on the horse for me? Sure. And he said, sure, where where are you now? And And she said that she was about 15 to 20 minutes away. And he said, okay, I'll go check on the horse and then I'll wait up for you. So he goes, checks on the horse, goes inside, and dozes off on the couch, which, you know, it's in the it's in the wee hours. And he wakes up and notices it's a little bit but a little bit before 4 a.m. and realized that Kim wasn't home. Mm-hmm. And she had said she was 15 to 20 minutes away at like 2.45. So she should have been there. Oh dear. So he calls her cell phone. It it was Actually, at exactly 3.59 a.m., he calls her cell phone and a police officer answers her phone. Oh, no! The police had found Kim's Jeep pulled over on Old Charlotte Road, which was her route home. And um, the Jeep was still running. There was a cell phone and a purse on the front seat. And the driver's side window was rolled down. That's bad news. Kim was nowhere to be found. That's even worse news. So, and also, um, there was no driver's license. Like, they couldn't, there was no driver's license. Right. That's odd. Isn't that odd? So, well, I don't know. I mean, if you ever watched that, uh, <laughs> what was that? Live. Live PD. Live PD. Nobody, Nobody ever, ever had their license. license. <laughs> I've always got my license. Me too. I don't know what in the world people are doing out there. I don't either. So, um, so Bridger decides he's going to go meet the police at the scene, but first he calls, um, his in-laws, Kim's parents, and he's in a panic. He's screaming and crying on the phone. They can hardly understand what the hell's going on. And, um... He says, Kim is missing. They found her car and she's missing. And they're like, oh, my God, go. And he said, I got to go meet the police. I'll I'll be in touch. So there's this massive search going on for Kim. Right. And um, this was on a Saturday. Actually, it was it was started out as a Saturday and it goes into the Sunday. And that happened to be Easter Sunday. So around 630 p.m. on Easter Sunday, which was March 30th. Kim's body is discovered in a wooded area at the end of an industrial road. Her remains were partially covered with brush, a pallet, and some roofing shingles. Her bra was pulled up um, over her breasts. Her sweatshirt was inside out and tied around her arms and wrists behind her back. She had abrasions on her knees, that indicated that she had fallen on pavement, which means that she was most likely running away from something. Um, There were long scratches along the sides of her body, and that indicated that she had been dragged through the brush. Oh, my gosh. Um, There were markings on her wrists similar to handcuffs, not handcuffs. I don't know what handcuffs are. I don't either. But no handcuffs were found at the scene. Wow. So... The parents and Bridger are notified about them finding the body. But this really struck me, and I think it's because I'm a parent. 
Her parents said that when they got the phone call that her body had been found, they locked their doors, they unplugged their phones, they drew the blinds and the shades, and they went back to bed because they were so grief-stricken. They didn't know what to do. And they literally just laid there. They were so, so grief-stricken. And that, to me, just, it just really gets me in my feels. Yeah, me too. So, so it's supposed to say investigators, but I put the instigators. Uh Uh-oh. They noticed, (laughs) they noted right away that this was not a robbery because all of her cash was still in her purse. So... For rent, and you know, as a waitress at a cocktail bar, yeah, you, got you, you get a lot of tips. Yeah. And so you've got, you know, you've got big money, big money, right. and it was all there. I mean, for what they saw, there was a bunch of it there. Right. Forensic evidence at the scene showed a blood trail from the road to the spot where she was found, solidifying that she had been drugged. Oh. Not drugged, dragged. I'm dragged. not sure. It's dragged. So the autopsy revealed there had been no sexual assault. Well, that's good yeah silver lining i don't know yeah um there were indications of hard blows to the side of her head with something heavy and rounded wow um they also noted pinpoint hemorrhages in her eyes and abrasions to her neck indicating strangulation right her hyoid bone yeah was broken in a manner to suggest that someone had pressed a strong object on the front of her neck when they were behind her and pulled real tight. Like yeah, I got a vision it. of like a Jimmy stick. Uh, what do they call those the bu- A Billy stick? A Whatever. Billy stick. Yeah, I don't know I don't who know Jimmy. Jimmy, Billy, Wait, it's Jim, all the same. Jimmy, but, yeah. Jimmy. poor Jimmy. It's blamed Sorry, for everything. <laughs> so anyway, um, so obviously she had been strangled from somebody, you know, on her back. So right. this was a really brutal death. Yeah. And so the question is, who could have done this? So yeah. So at first, of course, they look at Bridget. And then, like, did she pull over because there was something wrong? Was there somebody in the... I mean, what the hell happened? What happened? And, you know, she literally was 15, 20 minutes away from her house. Right. So... What happened? Exactly. So, of course, they look at Bridger first. Um, but the cell towers, the cell tower records put both he and Kim exactly where that he said they were like it it pinged and they, it matched exactly what his story was. So it wasn't him. He didn't do it. They cleared him. It was not him. I'm really glad. I am so thankful after your story that they cleared him so quickly. Yeah, me too. Gee whiz. Bridger, honey, I hope, I hope (laughs) you're counting your lucky stars today. Um, He did mention to detectives he mentioned to detectives that two weeks prior to this event, as Kim drove home in the early morning hours, two men in a car tried to run her off the road. Oh, no. So there was a police report filed, and they went and looked at the police report. And that's why it's important to always have a police report. Yes, yeah, so that they can... Something like that happens. Just... It, yeah, exactly. They can go, oh, yeah, that's true. So um, they were thinking maybe whoever tried to run her off the road went back for her. So police start trying to track down um, that lead of whoever the, it was two guys in a car. Right. So they're trying to figure out who that could have been. Um, so in the meantime, Kim is buried and 1,500 people show up to honor her. Oh, 1,500 wow. people. You talk about you never know the lives that you touch. Right. This is a 27-year-old girl. 1,500? 
Yeah, I don't think they're go we're going to get 15 at my funeral. <laughs> I mean, we're going to have to get invitations and maybe like offer a door prize. <laughs> I would like to have 1,500 cupcakes at mine. Oh, I would too. Though. Me too. Well, maybe that'll draw 1,500 people then. Well, then you can just tell. Well, we yeah. have 1,500 cupcakes. Exactly. Well prepared. Yes. So um, her parents at that point were still barely functioning, and, and the mom said that it was just her, her friends, her family, and her church were literally holding them up. I'm sure. They were feeding them. They were, they were sitting with them, taking care of them. It, it was crazy. Um, so also, in the meantime, lots of witnesses start coming forward. One man said he left work around 2.50, between 2.50 and 3 a.m., and as he was turning from the intersection towards Monroe, um, he had to wait for a vehicle that was headed east from the west, going straight through that intersection. Oh. And um, he said that vehicle was a red Jeep. He remembered seeing the red Jeep. Okay. When the red Jeep pulled out, he then pulled out. Do we know what kind of vehicle it was that ran her off the road? No. Okay. But we know that she was in a red Jeep. Oh, she's in a red Jeep. She's right, the red right. Jeep. Okay. So um, he pulled out right after she passed through the intersection, and he was headed in her same direction. And then he noticed a westbound vehicle. Okay. So it's coming from I the other direction. Really I'm like really bad. If I'm sitting on the road, I don't know if I'm going east or west. Well, she's going east. And so if this is a westbound vehicle, just know it was going in the opposite direction from okay. her. Okay. He noticed that this vehicle stopped in the middle of the road and did a three-point turn, turned around, and started following the Jeep. No way. So... He also noticed, this is what he noticed about that car, because then that car gets between him and this red Jeep. And they're not close following. It's a country road. She's zipping along. Right. You know, he he's, so it's not like they're all right next to each other or like right behind each other. Right. It, there's space, but he did notice this car, and then the car pulls up, pulls off, and then he's kind of, he can see that car in the distance. So this is what he noticed about that car. He said um, he noticed that the car had blue reflective tape on the rear and it had a whip antenna. You know what that is? Like the big long antennas. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? They whip around. I, I guess that's, that I didn't know that's what it was called. Yeah. But it had a whip antenna on the trunk. He also noticed some kind of lights on the roof oh, of this car. Like a and he could make out the letter P on the trunk. But he couldn't. He couldn't be sure that the letter P was part of the word police. Oh, he he couldn't be sure that was a police car. But he did see some blue bubble lights. Oh dear! And they actually activated on the roof. And as he, so he was like, oh, I guess they're pulling the red jeep. And about that time, he turns off to go to his house. What year was this? Can you remind me? Yep, it was in, I want to say it was in the 90s. Okay. Like 97, 98. All right, that makes sense. Because back then, you know, that may have been on a police car. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying it was a police car. 
I'm just saying. It could have been, but it could also be a CB person with a big whip antenna. Right, or somebody was impersonating. Well, and they did think they did think that they had what they called a blue light bandit. Oh. They did have a couple of those that that had been one had been arrested and was in jail at the time, but there was another one still at large that had pulled over women impersonating police. That is so scary. I know, and this is you know this is an old. This is an old highway. Yeah. You know, it's not the, it's not a, a well-traveled, it's kind yeah. of a country road. Oh, my gosh. So, um, so he turns off and heads to, heads home. So he does, he never thought no, anything because else. because he thinks that the police have He's like, you know, whatever, whatever. police are pulling somebody yeah. out. I got to go because I'm very tired because it's 3 a.m. Right. So <laughs> there was another witness that came forward, and this witness lived diagonally across from where the Jeep was found. Okay. And he said he was awakened by blue lights flashing in his window oh. around 3 a.m. Okay. So they're like, okay, then a police officer must have pulled her. Yeah. You know, pulled this red jeep over. Another witness said he was driving his girlfriend home around 3.10, on Old Charlotte Road, which is the road that we're talking about. He observed a red jeep wrangler parked off, off the side of the road. He remembers the lights were on, but saw nobody in or around the Jeep. Right. But you know what? It's 3 a.m. I ain't stopping. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, they could be puking in the bushes because they're drunk. Or you don't know. broke down. Right. They're walking somewhere. You right. Don't know. You don't know. So, and then he said, so he was driving his girlfriend around at home. So he I mean, said. it could have been Michael Myers, for God's sake. Could be a truck. You don't just pull over. You don't. So then on his way back home 20 to 25 minutes later, because now he dropped his girlfriend off, 20 to 25 minutes later, he goes back, and the Jeep is still there, still the lights on, still nowhere, no one around. But wow. he said, I kept going. Yeah, I'm playing. So he went home. So Captain Simpson of the Monroe Public Safety Department mm-hmm. found Kim's Jeep around 3.45 a.m., Public safety department, okay? He's a police officer. That's what they called it in Monroe. I don't know why. Um, So he he actually is the one that found Kim's Jeep around 345. He was on duty. Okay. Her car was pointed east off the road, running, lights on, no sign of a struggle. The purse and the cell phone were on the seat, and her billfold was laying open. And there was cash in it. There was a checkbook oh, in right, it. But there not was the license. right. There were credit cards in it, and there was no driver's license. This is not looking good. Not looking good, and it's and it's kind of creepy. So, um, and that's when her cell phone rang, and he answered it, and it was her husband and Bridger. This is why we're not we're no longer going to be driving at night. Ever, no, we're not. We're not. We're not night doing anything. No. We're not night. We're not night doing. No, no, no more night doing, guys. Have the elevator. Yeah, that's it, and that's, that's it. with my roadie. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so the investigators. So also at the autopsy, they found um, on her the back of her sweatshirt up near her neck mm-hmm. was a partial shoe print oh, God. where somebody had stood on her back and pulled that hard weapon or hard whatever it was against her throat and broke her neck and strangled her to death. For heaven's sake. Yeah. And um, so they start to focus on that shoe print. Oh, 
So the there's a the heel part of it was very um, defined, very well defined, and I know because I have a husband who teaches forensics. <laughs> there is actually a database, a national database of shoe prints, nice. of shoe prints, soles, patterns, manufacturers, everything. Just like, just like the tattoo, the, the yes. tattoo database. Yes, it's crazy. So they start looking at the shoe print and they de they decipher that it is a men's size eight Clarino shoe. Okay. It's a size eight and a half. Sorry. That's a little foot. It's a little, I'm just saying that's a little <laughs> foot. So those shoes were the shoes issued to the Monroe Police Department. Damnation. Oh. Records from the shoe store that carried the shoe indicate that the only police officer on the force that wore that size was an officer named Josh Griffin, and he had been issued shoes like that. Damn it, Josh. So they go and talk to Officer Griffin, and they said, where are your shoes? And he said, well... I gave him the goodwill. He didn't. He said, I had to dispose of them a couple of weeks ago because I had worked an accident scene where battery acid had leaked onto the road and I stepped in the battery acid and so I had to get rid of the shoes. Oh. And so I just threw them out. Of course you did. But another officer that worked that same scene, he, he corrobor corroborated, whew, that's it's a hard, hard one tonight. Word. That's yeah. a hard one. I have a hard time with that one. Yeah, I say that better when there's bourbon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so he agreed that the, there had been battery acid at the scene of that accident, and they both worked it. But he said he asked Josh Griffin at the scene if he had stepped in any of the battery acid, and Josh said no. Mm. And then he asked Josh the next day when he was filling out the report, do you need for me to get you new shoes? And Josh said, no, I don't need new shoes. I'm good. There's oh. nothing wrong with them. Oh, Josh. So now Josh has not been honest so josh, i'm just saying rut row and i'm also saying josh you're you have a men's eight and a half size foot i i just think this indicates to me you got some shortcomings yeah probably up in your britches just saying <laughs> it's just a guess it is a non-professional <laughs> opinion <laughs> i am on no authority to oh, make this assessment Lord, but Lord. from if if things that are said are true. You got some shortcomings up in your britches area. Oh, no. So, so now they start looking at Josh, really looking at Josh. And Josh and his dad were both police officers on the Monroe Force. Mm -hmm. On March 25th, Josh had, no, on March 28th, because I don't know what happened March 25th, but this happened on March 28th. <laughs> I don't know what was going on on March 25th. I don't even pretend to want to know. But Josh had worked mall security off-duty from the police department that night. Uh -huh. After his mall job ended, right. mall cop. Right. So after that, he dropped by the um, police department dispatch uh -huh. office uh -huh. and um, took everybody ice cream. Because, you know, you want to be friends with the dispatch. Those are your oh, lifeline. Of so, and I mean, he's working at the mall. He's a mall cop, and every mall cop probably gets some ice cream. And he took it to the dispatch office. Okay. So he sat around and and you know shot the sh sh the stuff 
with with these people and <laughs> shot the ice cream with these people. And then he set off saying, well, here I go. I'm going to go out to some harass some people. Oh, Lord. Yeah, that's the last thing he said as he was leaving. This guy's a real dick weed. <laughs> a dip <Dick>. stick. <laughs> so, also, after Kim and Bridger had filed that report about the weird encounter the right. couple weeks before, Josh's dad had actually spoken to Kim and asked what her usual route was to and from work. Oh, no. He told her, I'll keep an eye out from you whenever I'm on duty oh. in that area because he wanted her to be safe. Oh, no. And he said, and you know what? I'll let my son Josh know, too. Oh, for God's sake. To be on the lookout for you. Oh. So upon interrogation of Officer Josh Griffin, he said he did, he did his off-duty patrolling, um, by the way, that is against policy to do off-duty patrolling. You don't just do get to go patrol whenever <laughs> oh. the flipping hell you feel like it. Oh, no. So he says, I got home at 2.48 a.m. Okay. So there's some conflicting testimony about what time he really got home. But his brother slash roommate said, oh, yeah, he got home at 2.48 a.m. Yeah, because I was looking at the clock as when he was walking in. It was 2.48. Not, oh, it was probably somewhere around 2.45, 3 o'clock. No, it was 2.48 a.m. Okay. Yeah, okay, brother roommate. So, but he said the strange thing is, is that he when he got home at that hour, he stayed out in the driveway and was vacuuming his car. <laughs> like, who vacuums their car at 3 a.m.? I'm just saying I don't vacuum my car ever. <laughs> No time that I vacuum. Yeah. Only if there's been like I don't know something catastrophic spilled. No, not even then. There might be a wipe up, but there's not a vacuum. I leave that to others. That's for a professional. So he's out there at two o'clock, three o'clock, whatever time in the morning, vacuuming his car. So other officers stated that. Josh had more than once mentioned some hot blonde in a red Jeep that he wanted to get with. Lord have mercy. He had talked over the police radio to his Josh. police buddies saying he was going to get her plate number and run it. What a dumbass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he could pull her over. Oh my God. And he had a reputation around town, turns out, for doing exactly that to pretty girls. He would see a pretty girl, get her plate number, run it. And then randomly run into them at places, and then he knew everything there was to know about them. Creepy. How freaking, you know why he's creepy? Because he's a little man. Well, I don't know no. how tall he was, but I can tell you there's something little about him. Yeah. There is something so small. Yeah. So, anyway. So, two women actually came forward to say he had pulled them over when they had done nothing wrong. And it seemed like there was no official business. He just wanted to flirt. <gasps> So, Creepy. I'm telling you. So, on April 4th, Josh is suspended pending further investigation. Mm. Two days later, Josh asked a buddy police officer, a friend of his on the force, to meet him at the bowling alley. Oh, come on. Let's go bowl. Let's go talk at the bowling alley. So, he told his buddy this story. He said, I had... See, I saw that red Jeep that night when I was off-duty patrolling. Mm -hmm. He said, and I observed her swerving and reckless driving. Mm -hmm. So I pulled her over. 
She had no driver's license on her. She was mad. Turns out she had not been drinking. So she, but she was really, really mad and, and just lost her, her shit. And so he said, I told her to calm down before she left. And I just left and told her to go home, but to please sit there and calm down first. So, yeah. He also mentioned he was a little nervous because earlier that same day, um, he happened to be out on that industrial road and had pulled over to urinate. Oh, so they might in the brush. Tiny penis pee pee. Yeah, it was probably like little droplets. So, and he thought he might have left the cover to one of his tools out there. Oh, no, not not a tool cover. He was kind of nervous, but this is just him talking between two friends. Just my buddy. That buddy hightailed it right back to the police chief. Good, yeah, because I'm sure he was like, He's probably like, I'm sitting. Yeah, exactly, you little penis boy. (laughs) 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 Sorry, but Josh has a little penis. Tiny tot. Tiny little tidy bowl man. Tiny, 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 <laughs> tiny, 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 tiny. <laughs> he got a little weenie. So also Josh was known for having an especially messy car. He had been dinged by his supervisor plenty of times because his car was always a mess. And when they seized that car, it was spotless. Oh Lord. Like, so if they were to seize my car and it was spotless, you'd be I like, oh crap. You know what? It's Mayberry. I don't oh, know. I just, Lord. I think his dad was a cop and well-respected and they were like, oh, well, the apple can't have fallen far from the tree. Come on over. So they probably let him pass on a lot of stuff just because his dad. Is- Evidently, people were just looking the other way. Oh my goodness. So this, so they get the car, it's spotless. So, and they have so many witnesses coming forward at this point. I cannot go through all of the witness statements. I was reading a court document and it just went on and on. I'm just saying it was a a boatload of witnesses that we're just going to say a whole lot of witnesses came forward to talk shit about Josh. (laughs) So, so Josh is finally arrested. And in April of 1998, there was a trial where he is immediately convicted of first-degree kidnapping and first-degree murder of Kimberly Joe Medlin. The jury was split on the decision of life or death. They finally agreed to life with no parole because, according to a jury member, she said that sick and twisted man needs to be in jail because he needs to hear her screams every night for the rest of his life. But will he? I don't know. I know one thing. He got a little penis. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happens in prison when you got one of those. <laughs> but he got little shoes, little hands. He's a little tiny guy. I don't even know if he's tall or short. It doesn't matter. But he got eight and a half. Men's eight and a half. He's not tall with an eight and a half I'm just going to say shoe. I think my son was in the sixth grade and wore a men's eight and a half shoe. So I'm just saying. This <laughs> I'm just saying what's in his crotch isn't swinging. It's just like sitting there. (laughs) That's all. So, sorry, mama. And 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 children. Anybody who can be 
Well, <laughs> if you are that person, please send us pictures. No, <laughs> not pictures. Not pictures of that. Pictures of your mind. I'm gonna delete that. <laughs> I'm gonna oh edit God. that. Oh, Jesus Christ! What's in this water? <laughs> so, okay, you're on my nerves. I'm just saying this is out of control. You're out okay, of control. Just listen. Prosecutors surmise, because I love that word. No shit. That he actually went out that night looking for her specifically. Of course he did. He saw her red Jeep. He pulled her over and he got her out of the vehicle and made a pass. She probably fought him because she ain't going to put up with that crap. She owns horses. She won't put up with that stuff. No, when she worked at a men's club, she knows how to handle it. Yeah. So they think that when she fought him, he cuffed her and threw her in the back of his patrol car. Right. And then drove her down to the industrial road with the intention of raping and killing her. Well, he couldn't rape her because he's too tiny. Well, he never did get there, did he? Because he couldn't get close enough because he got a, a little tiny, teeny, tiny, tiny, tiny wee-wee. Tiny, wee-wee. Teeny, tiny. So they think that at that point, she got out of the patrol car and ran, which is why she had the scrape. She probably fell on the pavement. Yeah. And kept running. And then he finally caught up with her, bashed her on the side of her head with his big police flashlight. Oh. That's what they think it was, was a flashlight. And then stood on her back with that flashlight pressed against the front of her neck and strangled her and broke her neck. Then he dragged her through the brush and hid her body under trash and brush. And he denied, 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 denied. Okay. Okay. So he gets life, no parole, right? Right. 1991, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, 1989 is when he did the trial. Got it. 1991, he finally admits that he killed her. But he told the most cockamamie bullshit story about what happened. <laughs> this is what he said. There were drug dealers that that wanted her oh. because she owed them for drugs. Of course. And that they captured him and made him capture her and then held him at gunpoint and made him kill her. Are you like not only does he have a little penis, but he has a little brain. Tiny. Teeny tiny. Teeny tiny brain. Tiny. So that's tiny, the story. Tic-tac size balls. <laughs> tiny, teeny, teeny tiny. Tiny. Where are your balls? Tiny. There are they in your sock? Oh my are God. they in your ear? I don't know where These they are. Killers are on my nerves. They're tonight. on my nerves. Yeah. So that is the horrible story of a horrible, horrible injustice done to this sweet girl that owned horses which touches my heart anyway i mean don't go out at night anymore people no and if your name is kim don't tell anybody your name is kim no no and don't don't do night stuff there's no more night stuff but i mean hello with these prosecutors and these police officers that are dirty 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 people and i'm just gonna go out on a limb and say that prosecutor probably had a little penis too Mm. i'm just gonna say it Putting it out there. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. either. So anyway, guys, this has been exhausting. I'm exhausted. Exhausting. But thank God there was pie. Yeah, and uh, we have social media. Oh my God, we really do. We, we do. still have. I'm eating the rest of this, by the way. I figured that you would. <laughs> well, I saved it to allow you to do that. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, social media. Send mm. us an email. We'll send you a recipe. Mm-hmm. We'll tell your story. If you've got a story you want to tell about murder, do not send us 
dirty pictures. We will not. Do not mm -mm. send us any kind of a picture of any tiny part. Any no, part. and I don't want pictures of feet either, guys. I don't like feet, no. so don't give me feet. No, just don't, don't send us pictures. I didn't mean pictures. I meant... So, you know, we'll research a murder for you. Or send we'll, us an email if you ha are well hung with a tiny foot. Stop just, it. <laughs> I'm just no, with do not send us emails if you're well hung with tiny feet. I don't, don't want a picture. I don't want a picture. I just want somebody to say it can happen. It can happen. Talk to a doctor. You don't need to have people send you an email. Oh, I'm going to call my doctor tomorrow. <laughs> they might lie. You don't know. My God. Google that stuff. That I'm going to really ask my doctor going. next time. You should. Have you ever treated somebody that was well hung with tiny feet? Yeah. I'm going to ask. I think And I have should. several doctors that I see on a regular basis. I'll be asking everybody. Okay. Well, you, you go ahead and obsess about that. <laughs> I'm going to move on from it. Okay. Send us an email and ask us to research a murder. Ask at, us for a recipe. At, ask us any kind of thing. Our address is murder.sugarcoated at gmail.com. Yes. And we have Instagram. We do. We're at Sugarcoated Murder on Instagram. Yeah. We're TikTok. We're on TikTok. And I think we're called Sugarcoated Murder Pod, or we could be called Sugar Motor. <laughs> oh <my laughs> Sugar <God>. Murder. <laughs> it's hard to say Sugar that. Sugar Murder. Yeah. We're on Twitter. I don't know. I have no idea what our Twitter handle is. But, I mean, we are under Sugarcoated Murder if you're on Twitter. You if you're on be able to find us. Sugarcoated Murder Podcast. If you can, send us an email. And then we'll help you figure it out. We'll send you the links because I can send links. We have a marvelous, a marvelous Facebook fan page. Oh, my gosh. It's growing and growing. Sugarcoated Murder Podcast fan page. Yes. Oh, my god! And we have a regular Facebook page. Just and that's Sugarcoated Murder. Yeah. It's actually called SCM Podcast. Podcast. I do know that because I had to copy that into paperwork. That's so weird. It is. And then also, oh, I'm drinking water. <laughs> and so also we have. And so also, <laughs> she said that a couple times. But I don't know what's happening. I don't know. I don't know. It could be sugar because I'm having sugar. And I haven't had sugar. Oh uh, yeah, when we post our our podcast online, we usually. Have a link tree. Throw our link tree in, and that's got all of our links in it. Have you added the TikTok link? Mm, 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 not yet. Anything but the TikTok. Well, it didn't have any of the social media links in it, so now I'm going to oh, add okay. all the social media links. Okay. But it's got all the places where you can find us. It's got places where you can buy incredibly cool-ass merchandise. Yeah. And um, you can send us, uh, you can treat us to a spa of tea you could, you or could. a cup of joe. A cup of joe, a spa of tea. Or a pizza. Some spa of dick. I don't have in a spot a dick. Spotted. A, a spot of dick. Oh my god. I don't want that. It comes in a can. It's like bread pudding. You'll love it. Mm -mm. Delish. I've heard about spotted dick. Um, um, what else could you do? I mean, just send us money. Oh, yeah, that would be really nice. Or you could just send us email and tell us that you want to be our friend. You could do that. Because we, we love friends. Yeah. And be on the fan fan page because that's all of our friends right there. That's all of our friends. And that's where we post the podcast first. Yes. If we have any important news to share, that's where it goes. So that's right. Sound checks sometimes. Friends. Sound checks get yeah. posted there. They don't get posted anywhere else. Exactly. Sometimes some really cool memes get put there. Yeah. And, um, you know, nowhere else because y'all yeah. are the oh, most that's special. Another thing. If you've got a funny meme, you can always send us. 
message on Facebook. Yes, the one that I posted today was sent to us by a friend. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Our friend Marty. Yeah. She's Marvy. <laughs> we, Marty, you're Marvy. Okay, well, wish us luck. We're going to be traveling to our friend's house this weekend we and staying are. with them. Hopefully, it's be wild and fingers crazy. crossed that they like the pie, but we will definitely let you know, and I'll take a picture of it when I serve it. Yes, and we hope that you will stay sweet. And don't murder. Because if you kill people, we will talk about you. you. Have a good week. Love y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.